Hello. Bonjour. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Juice, your source for low-stakes gossip. I'm your host and the last person to see Jimmy Hoffa alive, Solomon Giorgio. I'm the kind of person who's done with celebrity gossip. I've heard too much about Kanye West and I'm finished. I want to hear about regular people doing crazy shit. And that's what this show is all about. Today, we've got another banger of a guest and it's someone who means so much to me. Last year, he completed a 28-year run as the longest-serving host in late-night television. He is the man in charge of the network this show is on, Team Coco Podcasts. Let's all give a big, juicy welcome to my hero and yours, Conan O'Brien. How you doing? I'm great. Salman, I love that you assume I'm in charge. That <laughs> I, I'm in charge the way Ronald Reagan was in charge, you know, at the end of his second term, where people, he's floating <laughs> along. Uh, people are just taking advantage of me left and right. But uh, oh, that's perfect. kind of you, kind of you to say that I'm in charge. <laughs> really like well, that. Well, look, I'm glad I got in during the jelly bean stage of your life. And I'm <laughs> happy to take advantage of you right. the best I can. No problem. <laughs> glad to do it. Look, I'm thankful that I, I get to be here on a microphone and I get to chat with you today, especially about gossip, which is definitely my favorite thing. Like, so where did you grow up specifically? I grew up, uh, it's pretty much right on the Boston line. It's a town called Brookline. I was just there a couple of days ago to visit my parents. And I mean, it is right there. It is, you can walk uh, into pretty much uh, any part of Boston pretty quickly from my house. That's where I grew up. And I grew up uh, as part of a large Irish Catholic family. And what's interesting about it is that it's all about appearances. It was very important to my mother that we act appropriately and that we behave appropriately. Of course, we're very, you know, uh, my parents are religious and so we'd go to mass. So there's an interesting Irish quality, I think, especially Irish Catholic quality, where yeah. you, you're supposed to uh, behave one way, but secretly you kind of behave another. And in our family, it's fascinating because gossip, uh, talking about people sort of behind their back was something that was, well, you would never do that. That's terrible. <laughs> but of course we would do it all the time. So yes. my father actually tried to hold the line. My father, whenever anybody had good gossip, uh, he would just lower his head like he was ashamed of all of us. <laughs> but then my mother loved it. She absolutely loved it. But if you ever said, would you gossip? She would say, well, of course I would never gossip. That's terrible. We would never, ever gossip. No, O'Brien would ever gossip. <laughs> but of course, we loved it. We absolutely went crazy for it. So uh, it was a weird kind of push me, pull you tension. It's forbidden but of course, we all want to do it all the time. Like how many kids were in the family? There are six of us, six kids. And your number? We don't know. <laughs> very confusing. Uh, it's constantly changing the order. No, I am third. Yeah. I'm the third child. Look, I'm one of seven, so I know the feeling of just like being- Where, where are you? Because your birth <laughs> order determines a lot. I'm number five, and I think it's irrelevant at that point. You're just, if you're in the middle, it means nothing. Right, exactly. I, I didn't think I had a personality until I was about 44. Yeah, I didn't know my own name until I was like probably 30 because they just kept saying everybody else's name before they got me. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. My mother, that was her thing. She'd be like, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. It was easy to believe that that was three kids in our family. Uh, but that was just, <laughs> that was her way. But yeah, it was fascinating because my mom in particular had a very 
antiquated way of talking. Her mother was very proper. We called yeah. my grandmother Maudie and she lived with us for a while. And she was, I mean, she lived with us until she was in her mid nineties. And um, I mean, she had seen everything. I think she fought in the civil war. Yeah. On the right side. So, uh, yeah, good for her. Um, but no, she, Massachusetts. Hopefully it's the right side. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. It'd be really weird if she was, I'm from Massachusetts, but I, I don't know. I really am. I'm really for the South on this one. Um, I want to hear them out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've been reading online what the South is up to. And it makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know. I'm, is it me? Anyway, I'm going to get down there. Uh, but my grandmother lived with us. And so she spoke and she used a lot of, terms that I think were from like the early 20th century or late 19th century. And I swear to God, I, she said things that I've never heard before or since. Let's say the local gossip in town was that a certain person who lived down the street maybe was having an affair. You know, no one would ever say hooked up or anything, but mm -hmm. maybe was having an affair with uh, someone who lived four streets over. And maybe they were uh, having some kind of uh, romantic assignation. My Assign mom, yeah, exactly. That's a good one. <laughs> but my mom would actually say this. She had this weird term that I've never heard anybody use in this context ever. And she had a lot of these. And I don't know if these come from Ireland or you know from hundreds of years ago. I don't know what. But she would she would say the rumor would be that Mr. Jones was messing around with, I don't know, Mrs. McGillicuddy a couple streets over. And my mother would say, well, and this is how she talked. She kind of talked like Margaret Dumont in those Marx Brothers movies. <laughs> like, oh my, Groucho. Oh, well, I never. That's how my mother, she had this very kind of, um, I am, you know, a respectable woman and I will not have that kind of foolishness in my household, <laughs> which uh, I've always said is one of the reasons I went into comedy because it was too much, it was too easy to like, you know, uh, if she said, now walk this way, I'd say like, yeah, if I could walk that way, I wouldn't have a problem, you know? And <laughs> yes. so she, but but it, if, if the rumor was that Mr. Jones and Mrs. McGillicuddy were messing around, my mom would actually say, well, I understand that Mr. Jones is playing patty fingers with Mrs. <laughs> McGillicuddy. <laughs> playing patty fingers. fingers. And I was stunned by this. And as a kid, I remembered hearing this and thinking, that two adults checked into a motel over in Alston, like on the line between uh, Brookline and Alston. And they would check into a hotel, they would shut the door, they would lower the shades, <laughs> look around, and then just start <laughs> playing patty cake <laughs> together. That's what I was thinking. Fully, <laughs> fully clothed. Fully freaking clothed. And then when it was over, they'd be like, you know, same time next week, <laughs> no one must ever know. But, but uh, so that was the kind of, ancient language used. And the other thing is, I remember once really clearly, um, my grandmother who lived with us, Maudie, she was, I, you know, really getting up there. And I think she was in the hospital and she wasn't in a good way. And she was kind of um, not responsive. And my mother went in and was sitting by the bed and was talking and just saying uh, some Hail Marys and rosary or something, but also probably chatting about other things. And she was talking to my grandmother in the room and then she said, oh, and by the way, uh, someone that I work with, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you can hear me, Monty, but someone I'm working with walked out on his wife and he moved in with a woman who lives down the street. And my grandmother woke up and sat up in bed. <laughs> and she was like, Moses, no. 
Good God. Is that true? You know, and just literally that's, that could bring our people yeah. out of a coma was <laughs> loving dishing on this stuff. And I think it was because there was so much that you're not allowed to do in Irish culture. Uh, you know, you're, there's so many things that are forbidden and add to that. I grew up in a dry house and all my relatives grew up in dry houses, meaning no one drank, nobody, that was forbidden. So the Irish are, were at least supposed to be able to drink. And we didn't even have that. Uh, our only uh, thing that we were allowed was ham. We could have as much ham wow. as we wanted. Yeah, that was it. That was the only, we all kept ham in our wallets just for any time that we wanted it. And um, we, we could eat as much as we wanted. And it was like, that's good. Everyone eat, eat, eat. Hey, I just had impure thoughts about it. Quiet! Uh, there's a girl that I kind of, quiet you. Just eat um, some ham. There'll no, yeah, there'll be, there'll be no patty fingers in this house. Now eat your ham. So we weren't, we weren't supposed to have, you know, so my dad didn't like it and he would lower his head and act like he was ashamed of all of us for gossiping. But I always noticed that he'd stay in the room and listen. Yeah. There was an affair that everybody in the neighborhood knew about and it was everywhere. And my father was very quietly sitting at the table and all of us were talking about because my mother, of course, was like, isn't this, they're playing patty fingers, I tell you. I knew it all along. Uh, my father is just quiet. And then we all left the room and apparently he told my mother, basically, I've known about this for years. And she was like, what? And you didn't, and you didn't say anything? And my dad was like, eh, you know, I think it's, I didn't think it was my place. Like, and she, my mom, my mother was furious. Not your place. You were sitting on this story and you didn't break it. You know, you didn't tell me. I feel like that's, yeah, if you're in a relationship, the, all the gossip should should definitely be brought in. No, no, my father was above that. And like I say, yeah. he was above it. And and so he heard it and probably enjoyed hearing it, <laughs> but wasn't about to Spread repeat it. it. Yeah, so uh, I think he thought, he, I'm above this. I'm a scientist. I'm a man of science. This is foolish. I'm a man of books and knowledge. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to do then, any of it, but I'm going to sit I'm not going <laughs> to, but I'm going to sit here and listen to all of it. And occasionally I'd, I'd catch him like laughing and rubbing his hands together and be like, you creep, you're letting us do it. And, uh, you know, I think he was very much into the idea of I get to, I get to go to heaven and still hear all the amazing dish on everybody. Look, there's nothing but, wrong with that being sin adjacent. <laughs> exactly. That's, is that, that should be a one word, synergacent. Yes. I'm, are you a bad guy? I'm synergacent. I'm synergacent. Yeah. I love that term. I'm going to write that down. That should be one word. It's a great way to get into heaven, but you still have a good time. But I still had a really good time. It wasn't my porn. Uh, it was, it, someone else had this porn going in the room and it's my room. I mean, I have to leave. I don't think, I don't so. think I'm, so. And guess what? God, I was just synergacent. <laughs> And God is like, I'm so tired of this sin adjacent <laughs> word. Ever since that Solomon Giorgio guy got that podcast, uh, everyone up here has been like, I'm just sin adjacent. I was, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's what, like my parents, because we're very strict, uh, they're very Ethiopian. Like if you go inside my mom's house, you're in Ethiopia, you're nowhere else. Right, And right, I feel like, right. especially like with strict parents, they just like, they like to hold on to the cultural things just and close it around you. <laughs> I mean, were they into it? Were they into gossiping? Oh, my mom was uh, like, my, there's a there's a 2000 year old like uh, tradition of making coffee from scratch. And my mom would like 
have all the women in town be there and they would collectively share information. Uh, and specifically about us, if you were the child that walked past the group of women, then the gossip became about you. Right. But I think there was something, it's almost like letting off steam because to keep a society together, you have to have rules and you have to follow the rules. Yeah. People are deathly afraid, especially religious communities and and maybe really tightly knit ethnic communities, whether it's Ethiopian or yeah. even just a, a bunch of Irish farmers that have settled together in, in central Massachusetts. What they want to do is keep themselves safe and they want to yeah. keep their kids safe. So they want to experience the excitement of scandal. Mm-hmm. They want to experience the thrill of scandal, but it's all got to be, as you say, sin adjacent. Like we're just sitting here, you know, in your mother's case, making coffee from scratch uh, with uh, other people in our community. But we're talking about a guy who's straight in his marriage and everybody knows about it. Like everybody knows about it. And oh my God, it's looking at the third rail of a a subway that could electrocute you and kill you, but you're not Mm -hmm. getting near it. And if someone else is getting near it or touching it, you're getting the vicarious thrill, but you're not yeah. doing it. I do remember an antiquated word I was called once because I had an older neighbor and I was just, I was coming home very late at night mm-hmm. and she called me a, uh, a chippy chaser. And... <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know what I, I love is chippy was word for like, I guess kind of a floozy, you know? Yes. And um, one of the sayings that I grew up with is, and I forget if it was my mother or my grandmother, but they would say, um, you know, they would counsel, if they were going to counsel a woman not to be too loose, they would say, this is an actual phrase. You got to watch yourself. You don't want to be a rag on every bush. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that what means. What is that? Even? That's, but it's... I don't know what it means. You don't want to be a rag on every bush. And I've, you know, met Irish people and said, run them through like, Patty fingers, and they're like, never heard of it. Okay, <laughs> what about rag on every bush? Never heard of it. And so I don't know, you know, my people came over in the 19th century. And then, so there's a couple of generations in Worcester, Massachusetts. And I think that's where some of this stuff they come up with. But chippy was one I heard, yeah. like, and the other one I heard was, and I swear to God, my mother, she used this phrase like not that long ago, eight years ago. She thought, that a woman was interested in my brother, Neil, who's not married. And she said, well, I think that woman has her cap set for Neil. What? And I was like, cap set for Neil? You set your cap, like meaning you, you adjusted your cap and pointed it in the direction of my brother, Neil, which means you're interested in Neil. What does that mean? <laughs> I've got my cap. Solomon, I've got my cap set for you. And, uh, I, and I intend to see this through, you know, like it's this weird... I don't know where all this language comes from, but it was all the language. It was a very specific language about gossip. No one wanted to say someone's attracted to you because that's getting too dangerous. I feel like it's sort of the language that's needed to like say what needs to be said, but no one else knowing what's going on. Right. I feel like that's just like, I feel like most slang is just trying to cover up what you're saying. (laughs) Right. But keep in mind, a lot of slang is... Uh, keeping the essence of what it is. So doing the nasty or, you know, like it, it, it's, it's still got the danger in it. It's just some slang term to describe it. And there's a million for sex. But what they've done, this culture that I come from is take all of the sexuality completely out of it. And like, I tell you, he's got his cap set for you. <laughs> you know, 
my dear, and uh, he may pitch woo soon. It's like... He's got his flag in the wind. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't be a rag on every bush (laughs) or no one will set their cap in your direction. Keep your tap shoes on, if you know what I'm saying. I'm like, what? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I find it all... It took me many years to realize how um, sanitized all the language was. If you were a, uh, a very delicate sensibility in 1850, this language wouldn't rattle you. Yet I was growing up in 1978. So, <laughs> you know, punk, punk music, punk music is playing on the radio, you know, the Sex like Pistols. The 1920s a, in your home. Yeah, and in my home, it's like, oh, did you hear that? <laughs> Go out to the yeah, icebox, get yourself a- <laughs> <laughs> Go to the icebox. Go to the icebox and get yourself a- get yourself some ham in the icebox. <laughs> they love that kind of stuff. And um, I had a college roommate whose parents were from Ireland and he used to visit my parents and they loved him because he was kind of had an old fashioned sensibility. And he used to talk about the local gossip in his little med- Midwestern town. And it was all- he was a very proper young Irish man. And it was all the same stuff. He would sit there and have tea with my parents, this kid that I brought home from college, you know, who didn't go home for vacation, uh, ho- you know, the, the holiday. He can't go back into the 30s very easily. You have to. <laughs> yeah, he would come back and he would sit with my parents in the living room and they would have tea and cookies. And he'd say, well, you know, as I'm led to believe, there's been some indiscretion between the parson uh, and uh, the butter churner. And uh, again, this is now 1980. <laughs> this is 1984, you know? And uh, so I was always felt in a weird way like I was living in another time. I, I think I grew up completely in a different era. Was there any like a uh, gossip amongst you and your siblings that you kept away from your parents since there's so many of you? Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, there was stuff. I always have to be careful because- yeah. Uh, there's so many things, you know, you'd always hear about neighbors that were maybe up to something that wasn't, you know, above board. But I'm always careful since I became sort of a known person. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 I don't want to get busted. I don't want to get anyone else busted. But all of us, I think we were very um, brought up to not discuss anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much gossip revolves around sex. So much gossip oh, revolves yes. around indiscretions and nothing like that was talked about in my, in our home. Like we just, and, and it was so potent that we didn't even talk about it with like, even the brothers and sisters, we didn't talk about it with each other because we thought the place was bugged, you know? Like we (laughs) we were all so terrified of bringing up even the concept of people being attracted to each other that, uh, you know, so so it was a very chaste home. Yeah. I will say that. I feel like we definitely, amongst me and my siblings, we definitely had our own secrets. Like my sister, um, like we knew she was, before she came out, she had a girlfriend, uh, but she would hide her girlfriend under my bed, <laughs> which was terrifying thing to happen. Wait, that doesn't even, <laughs> that doesn't even work in movies. <laughs> it's, it, I literally, I, I just, I like got my shoes from under my bed and there's just a white woman under there. I'm like, hello, that's not, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many times I woke up Christmas morning hoping there was a woman under my bed? <laughs> Truly one of my worst nightmares. It scared yeah. the crap out of me. But yeah, she had a girlfriend uh, when like, she, she didn't live with us for a long time. And then whenever she like show up, she'd be like, Here's my girlfriend. She's hiding under your bed. And I just have to be like, okay, <laughs> I guess this is fine. 
That's insane. But we kept those kind of secrets. Those were the kind of the, the gossip amongst ourselves. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you something. We grew up in very different homes. <laughs> there was none of that. There was none of that happening. No shenanigans, I get it. Well, it just, I mean, I wish. I wish I could say, oh, gee, you know, I wish I could say it was like a Blake Edwards movie where I had to hide, <laughs> get under the bed. It's like, like it's a French farce, you know? <laughs> someone comes in this door and someone goes out that door and- <laughs> There wasn't like that level of yeah. the, the gossip in our house was uh, who took more than their share of Fruit Loops, uh, you know, because there were six of us. Yeah. One box means everyone gets a, an exactly level yes. uh, bowl. And of course, Neil and I would go down and we would eat four bowls and all the other kids would come <laughs> down and say, what happened? And of course, our tongues were multicolored and uh, we were high on sugar and it was very hard <laughs> to disguise, but- so, so most of the, you know, most of the gossip in our, you know, immediate family was about where good food was stored. And yeah, that's, that's also the same situation we had. My youngest brother was born many years. Uh, he was born, he, he was a late, late kid. So he was a little baby when, uh, you know, I'm 10 years old and 11. And my brother, Neil, who was older than me and a really big guy, like tall, big guy and supposedly mature, uh, we used to case the house and find out where my mother had hidden his Gerber's baby food, which was <laughs> banana flavored. And by the way, that shit is expensive. <laughs> yeah. And we would hot, we would take, we would get a little spoon and we would just inhale this stuff because it was so, I'm going to tell you something, Gerber's mashed, <laughs> mashed banana in the little jars is fantastic. It's amazing. It's better than any caviar you're ever going to have. And my hulking brother and I, these big two Irish goons, would suck this stuff down. And as a result, my brother is malnourished to this day. You know, he never, his bones didn't form properly because these two assholes. And so there was a lot of like, I'm telling you, the, 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 the hot tip is that, is that some marinated squash just came in on a just came in in the 1978 Pontiac and it's in the it's in the pantry. Really? Yeah, sure. All right, here's the plan. Mom's going upstairs soon to say the rosary, so we're going to get in there and get that, you know, it's just complete nonsense. <laughs> all right, Conan. Now's the time in our show where we dive into all the juicy submissions we get from listeners. It is mailbag time. So pretty much people from all over the world and the internet are just sending me stories that are just the hottest of gossips. Terrific. So I just want to read one of them for you. And this one actually is a workplace gossip. Okay. Coworkers are secretly dating during COVID and had a secret COVID baby. What? The, <laughs> the girl didn't tell anybody at the office she was pregnant until about a month before she was due. And then when she had the baby and started maternity leave, suddenly the guy had a family emergency, and took two weeks off. That really flared the rumors because a few months prior to the baby being born, they each blocked everyone in the office on all social media for no apparent reason, even on Venmo. They're still trying to pretend they aren't together and that they don't have a child. <laughs> but someone finally found on one of their stepmom's Facebooks uh, who posts pictures of her new grandbaby, and in her post, it's clear they are together and the parents. So finally thought they would fess up and admit their secret love and love child, but instead... The man up and quits. Uh, and the funniest part of all this is that they had no reason to keep it hush-hush. They were two young single co-workers, not hurting anyone by dating, but they are putting so much effort into hiding their relationship and now their baby. 
But uh, she is coming back from maternity leave next month and we'll see if she ever admits to it. Okay, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I always wonder how people hide a pregnancy. I guess, well, first of all, yeah. it's during COVID, they can be on Zoom, yeah. right? So you can't say, oh my God, I just had 30 burritos at lunch again. <laughs> Which is the standard, that's the standard line when you're pregnant yeah. and don't want to admit it. Uh, I mean, I could see why they might be thinking, but at some point you got to tell people. Yeah, I, I don't know like, what they thought they were getting away with. And I'm now I'm just picturing them like dressing the baby up. <laughs> To look like a toaster oven, like something it's <laughs> something it's not. Just a just in a put in a pug outfit or whatever it can do Exa- to uh, hide yeah. the very constant. right. Just dressing it really unconvincingly as uh, as a cat. You know, it's a really fat cat. <laughs> it seems to, it seems to be beginning to learn English. <laughs> the, most, the insane part was there's no reason to cover it up. There was like no one in the office would have been anti them having a baby. So I'm just very like I'm always very. I'm always surprised when people go an extra measure to hide things when they don't need to. <laughs> well, uh, you know, there's this, I, I swear to God, I can relate to it because um, it runs deep in Irish culture of don't tell anybody your business. Yeah. Uh, and my mom, when I was growing up and my dad too, they wouldn't disclose information that was, there's nothing wrong with this information. Yeah. It's okay if you tell people this information. And well, it's, it's best if people don't know, you know, or it's none of their business. And so there's a, uh, one of the guys that I work with is this guy, Mike Sweeney, and he's uh, Irish descent. And he told this story that makes so much sense. Uh, Mike Sweeney was traveling in Ireland and he went to, there's a famous, uh, there's a place you can go. He was on some part of Ireland that's uh, very beautiful. And they said, oh, do you want to see the, the cave with amazing stalactites and stalagmites and crystal ceiling, you know, naturally formed? And he said, sure. And he went and he checked it out and it's absolutely amazing. And then on the way out, he saw the sign that describes this cave uh, and the history of it. Mm-hmm. And the plaque said, this cave was, you know, discovered in, uh, you know, 1938 by the owner of the property you know, uh, uh, Aaron O'Malley. And uh, then it was revealed to the public at large in 1967. And so there was this whole period of like 25 years where the guy on his own property had the most amazing natural wonder that anyone had ever seen. And Sweeney was really laughing and I was laughing too because we both could picture the guy. He, he comes back in that day that he finds, he's, he's in the back, He's digging with a hoe. Suddenly the sod gives way. Oh my God, the largest natural cave in all of Ireland (laughs) is underneath the ground. It's a natural wonder. It's beautiful. And the wife was probably saying like, oh my God, we got to, oh, we got to tell people. This is an amazing thing and it's on our property. They'll want to see it. And and then, and he was probably like, ah, shut your mouth. <laughs> it's, it's nobody's God. I know exactly what he said. It's nobody's goddamn business. Just shut your yeah, woman. Let and the K prob- be. Yeah, just let the K be and shut up. It's no one's business. Never realizing like, it's nothing wrong. It's nothing. This is amazing. It is. And also you can charge admission. Yeah. You can be rich for the rest of your life. <laughs> ah, shut up. Ah, nobody's business. Ah, nobody needs to know about the cave. Just cover it up. Cover it up with leaves and shut your yap. So yeah, I can imagine. I totally think there is something in people that's like, it's it. no one needs to know, you know? Yeah, I agree. 
I've been the victim of the opposite thing where there was a rumor about me that wasn't true, but I, de- I, I didn't do anything to dissuade people from thinking it was true, <laughs> which was uh, when I first started dating my, we've been married, I've been married 20 years, but when I first started dating my wife, which would be like 21, 22 years ago now, uh, I took her to some restaurant and uh, my wife is uh, very attractive and she bears a passing resemblance to the actress, Heather Graham. And so I took her to this restaurant and my wife and my, my girlfriend then, well, I'm dating her, but I'm in the early stages. And I swear to God, like the next week, it is in the, there's a giant spread in the tabloid. Big picture of me and then a big picture of Heather Graham. And it's how Conan <laughs> O'Brien is now dating, you know, Heather Graham, one of the sexiest women in Hollywood. And it was not, obviously not true, but I got to admit, I didn't like go out of my way. I wasn't like, I'll sue you. I'll sue you, Star Magazine. How dare yeah. you. How dare you insinuate that one of the most attractive stars in Hollywood would be having sex with me. You'll pay for this. And so, uh, you know, I remember at the time it came out and people were like, wow, you and Heather Graham. And I'd be like, oh, you know, well, uh, look, I can't really talk about it, but the press needs to have its own rights. Freedom of the press, I say. (laughs) Okay, Conan, here's another letter. Um, If you ever have dinner at a tavern in Colonial Williamsburg, know that the period-appropriate trousers worn by male servers make it a simple matter for them to conceal their exposed junk beneath their aprons and rest their balls directly on your table. What? So that is... so. Wait a minute. So they're wearing, they're wearing some kind of uh, apron, which hides the fact that they may not be wearing pants or underwear. At all. I, I feel like it's like a chap situation. I'm not 100% sure, but they can freely put their testicles onto the table without you noticing, which is the part that surprised me. Like, like I'm trying to figure out, do they throw the apron over... The table. Right. Well, I, first of all, if that's your only question, something's wrong with you, Solomon, because I have many questions. First of all, why does someone want to rest? Who wins in this situation? I mean, the person who's dining doesn't win because, oh, great, uh, some testicles are resting on my table. I was just about to place a piece of bread there. <laughs> and the person who is rest, the server, I don't think wins because trust me, I've tried, I've placed my testicles everywhere. It doesn't feel good to place them no. on a on a table in Colonial Williamsburg. It just, it doesn't. I've I've tried it. It's not good. I've tried, I've gone to <laughs> Bed Bath and Beyond. I've gone to Bed Bath and Beyond and tried them on every surface you, possible. Oh. And you know, yeah, linoleum aside, it doesn't feel good anywhere. So I don't see who wins. I, I yeah, I, I definitely for me, like as a, as a, somebody who's been a server for thousands of years, like my revenge was uh, crop dusting. Like I would just silently fart by the table that annoyed me, and then just maneuver away as quickly as possible. Testicles, I don't really want to get involved into. Uh, like I'd rather just have them stay where they need to stay. Yeah, I think you're opening yourself up to all kinds of. Uh, potential hazards yes. if, uh, if you're serving. And, you know, what if you're doing that in, um, you know, one of those uh, Japanese restaurants where they're chopping vegetables left and right? <laughs> uh, yeah, what if you're at Benny, what if you're, what if you're a chef, chef at Benihana, Benihana and one of the ways, 
and you really enjoy, you wear that apron, but you really enjoy putting your junk on the table and you're, you're high speed chopping away at some zucchinis and onions. And, uh, you know, suddenly your Don Johnson's gone missing. Uh, I don't like any of it. But yeah, there's, there's too many, yeah, there's too many places where, or you're at Subway and you accidentally, uh, you wrap it up, you know, you, you, you slather it with some, you slather it with some mayo and you put it between two pieces of rye and you try and hand it to somebody. You don't want to do that. No, no, I don't. I agree. I look, if you, I'm definitely not going to be in Colonial Williamsburg anytime soon. Um, I find a period like again, restaurants again, today. here's, again, here's where we disagree. You say you're not going soon. I'm going immediately. <laughs> and I'm going to find who's doing this. And uh, I have some questions for them. There's probably several and people. It's not It's not just down to one person. This is, I think it's a trend. I think it's uh, what's, what's currently trending in Colonial Williamsburg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I think, I think this could lead to a terrible butter churn accident. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm afraid, like, I do testicles get pink eye? Is that another thing that happens? I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, you lost me. You lost me. I'm flipping. I have a... I have a physician's death <laughs> reference right here with me. I'm flipping through it. No, no, no. it says here no. It says here no. You can't get pink eye oh, in I that feel... area, in that in that region. But you might be able region. to give it to somebody else. I feel, for me, it's more along the lines of the health of other people. And I'm as somebody who's like passed the food test license thing. I don't do that anymore. It's cross contamination. That's what it's called. Yeah, I just as long as you wipe down the surface apps afterwards, I think you're fine. So. Listen, I'm not either encouraging or discouraging this process. I just want to know why. I want to know why it's not making sense to me. But uh, maybe someone will reach out and tell us. Yeah, if you're why. if you're out there, please tell me why you would put your testicles on a table other than being young and dumb. And if you have, uh, stop. I have a feeling young and dumb is going to be eighty percent of the people yeah. that write into you. I would say ninety five percent, but if there's if there's if there's like a forty five year old man putting his testicle on a table at a restaurant, more power to him. Sure, that's just a Why lifestyle not? choice at that point, not just a prank. Right. You don't know what you're doing. You might be using it also as a carpenter's level to try and see if the table's even. <laughs> I think. All right. I think we'll 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 leave it there. We'll leave it so there. This isn't you know. We'll leave it there. <laughs> That's it for the mailbag, but every so often, I do get a story that's so crazy, I have to hop on a call with them to hear even more. It's called The Juice Line, and it's after this break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to The Juice. I'm here with Conan O'Brien, and now's the time in our show when we get on a call with someone who had an extra juicy story. It's the juice line, and our board operator says today's caller is Amber Nelson. Can we patch her in? Please hold. Thank you. Welcome, Amber. Hi. Hi, Amber. How you doing? I'm wonderful. You're looking great. How are you? Thank you so much. I had a little workout <laughs> in the sun earlier. Very Hollywood thing for me to do. Now, you have a story that you want to share, and I just want to give you the floor to, to tell us all about it. Sure. Like I said, I live in Hollywood and I moved here about five years ago. And um, the only job I could get was at the gym. There's this gym like right on the um, on the boulevard with all the stars and the Walk of Fame and all the like characters, the costume characters. Mm -hmm. So my job was just to like check people in at this gym and just like, hi, how you doing? And like Spider-Man would come and check in and work on his abs and leave. And then, you know, 
And it was a pretty good job, kind of spicy. But at night, I had to check. I had to like close up. And you could hear rumblings. And I'm by myself. And it's kind of scary because there's a, a sauna. There's a pool. There's a cardio room and I'm having to like make sure everybody's out of that. And there's usually one guy just like still lifting weights who's just like one more set, you know, but there was nobody here. So I lock up and I'm like, okay, this is weird. I hear somebody, um, but I have to make sure everybody's out. Okay. So then I tell my coworker the next day and she's like, she's this like sweet blonde haired, blue eyed girl from Kentucky. And she's like, don't tell nobody, but there's that cryogenic chamber. You remember that cryogenic chamber that closed down because some girl died in it and it's her ghost. So like, if you don't know anything about cryogenic chambers, it's yeah. like a, this <laughs> 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 is fun. It's spicy, that's, right? Uh, that's fantastic. Like, yeah, the freezing people, right? The freezing, yes. Yeah, so it's kind of like a tanning bed, but for cold. So a lot of athletes use it. It's really good for your muscles, helps like recuperate everything. So mm-hmm. she apparently... Um, was running the cryo chamber, which is a whole different part of the gym. I didn't have to check people into that. People just went right to that. But she was closing up and she thought, well, one more time for cryogenics and then I'll boogie. And uh, she got stuck and she died. What? So that's why, what? yeah, she got stuck in the so chamber. That, part's, that part is absolutely true. You, you that, verified yeah. that? That's like lore on the boulevard and the cryogenic chamber just shut down. Because I remember it was there. And then one Monday, it just was shut down and people were so mad. They're like, why can't I go to the cryogenic chamber? I need to go like get my freeze on. And I was like, wow. I'm sorry. I don't know why. And then come to find out somebody died in there, which is why that specific yeah. gem doesn't have that chamber. I'm sorry. If I accidentally overcook a cake, I don't throw out the oven. You just hose that thing. You just, you just get in you here. You obviously, you get the body out. You ho- those things are expensive. That's probably a that's probably a fifteen thousand dollar piece of equipment. You get the body out. Yes. Okay. You, you let it. You let it thaw, and then you hose that thing down. There you go. And then you keep. You get people. You know. I think isn't that like I feel like you you would get possessed by whatever ghost was in there. I feel like the spirit is frozen inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Very li- that's just that's just bad science. That is, I, I look, I am, is. I'm not a scientist by any means. So the sounds that you heard was the ghost, or so we're all like, "There's a ghost. There's a ghost in here." Yeah. That's why the cryogenic chamber closed. She must have died very painfully. So that's why we hear yeah. you would hear like wild laughter, and I was like, "Oh my god, maybe she was laughing before she died." Because sometimes, like when I'm in pain, I'm like, <laughs> "Get me out of this," you know. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I also think if I were her, I would see the sort of the funny side of it. Yeah. You know, like I'm yeah. trapped in this cryogenic uh, chamber. I'm clearly going to die alone, uh, you know, on Hollywood Boulevard. You got to admit it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's like, pretty funny. Like, she just probably sees like a Charlie Chaplin impersonator walk by. and <laughs> <laughs> She's like, is this real or am I a ghost? I don't know. I mean, we could verify that. We could find oh, yeah. out. We could. It was just kind of lore. And like, no one told me. They, I was not even allowed to like speak about it because they're like, it's going to upset the guests of the gym. They can't know that we're haunted. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, this reminds me of uh, when I was a kid, we used to be allowed to go uh, to this amusement park and we would go all the time. And then when I was about five, my parents said, you can never go there again. And none of us were allowed to go to that amusement park ever again. And we found out years later that it was because apparently 
two kids in a bumper car. Um, they were like in a bumper car and, and they were all slamming into each other and there was a short circuit and they were electrocuted, oh, the two wow. kids. And we were never allowed to go there again. And I remembered hearing that when I was like, finally hearing it, I think it happened when I was about four or five and we weren't allowed to go there anymore. And then hearing about it when I was like 10 and going, yeah, <laughs> why is that on me? Why don't I get to go? You just you want know, to get on the bumper cars. Yeah, I was going to get on the bumper cars soaking wet. Uh, I didn't care. <laughs> and I, I remember just thinking like, oh, they've probably rewired it. Uh, they got to fix it but, by now. Yeah, and also I like to blame the victim in these situations like that. Like, I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> They probably had ice cream on their hands. It's probably. their fault. So kids are pretty resilient. You know, you could just throw them against the wall. They'll be fine. Right. So I don't know. I I, I want that cryogenic chamber reopened because I'm eight. I'm clearly the, much older than any of you. And I need to be frozen. <laughs> like Walt but Disney? Yeah. And it's worth risking my life. It really is. So that I don't, because, because. My face is rotting fast, so uh, I need to get on that. I need to get into that chamber. <laughs> let's, op let's open that the chamber. chamber. <laughs> open it. By the way, there's so much bad stuff happening in the world right now, and that's going to be my cause. I'm going to be on <laughs> Hollywood Boulevard. Open the chamber. So you guys are committed to um, the idea there's a ghost, but I'm assuming yeah. it's... <laughs> And I'm like, you know, I'm talking to like not exactly the brightest people in the world. It's like bodybuilders and models. And they're just like, yeah, I believe in ghosts, you know, and like we're just having that dialogue all day, every day. And then one day my manager comes in and then she's like, call headquarters. We need to get them down here immediately. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? So apparently at the gym five years ago, it was on the second floor of a strip mall. So LA has all these like strip malls. So in the strip mall, there was a... There was a Vegas seafood buffet, which there's no ocean in Vegas. <laughs> I don't know why you have that. And uh, and there's like a bunch of boarded up things. And then up above was the gym. But she noticed there was some glass. And then she's like, what's that glass breaking? And then she looked and she saw a little hole dug. And then she's like, what's that? And then apparently, come to find out, after headquarters and cops came down, there were people living in the walls. So they had broken in and somebody, not only were they living in the walls, they had to have the blueprint for the whole place because there were holes dug very like right next to pipes and they knew exactly where they were going. And there was signs pointing for food, for safety, for sleep. And they were just like scrumming around and living in the walls. And that's what we were hearing the whole time. And it yeah. wasn't a ghost. Oh, oh. So it was real people. <laughs> It was real people. You had people in your wall. And I love that they clearly uh, hired a good contractor <laughs> when they went into the wall. They're like, no, 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 that's a, that's a main gas line. Very good. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> that's impressive. That's, that's, I didn't think that was, wow. What if it was all like Spider-Man and Batman? It was all guys that made their, during the day, wore the fanny packs and the superhero <laughs> outfits. <laughs> and they just go crawl right in. Yeah, and then one day everyone's working out in the gym, and suddenly the wall collapses, and thirty-five superheroes <laughs> fall out. Oh my god, it's like it's like roaches. They fall. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to imagine all four Jack Sparrows are just in there. Exactly, all. Oh my and god, and they bicker over which is the there's there's three that are pretty good, and then there's one that just sucks. <laughs> 
Well, how much space was in these walls? I wanted like, I'm trying to figure out like, is this like a little... Um, it was a lot because it was on the second floor of a building. So they had like, they had free reign of this whole space as long as they avoided the pipes. But that was what I was oh. hearing. The cackling, the noise, the rumbling. And they like, and it makes sense because we would like get there in the morning and it'd be weights. Mm-hmm. It would be like, I know we put these weights away, but... There they are. So they would for That's sure break in. That's just disrespectful. Music. You're not paying rent. You should put the weights away. That's yeah. just the rule, number one rule. <laughs> I love it. Also, what if uh, they're hiding in the wall and then when everyone leaves, they come out and they get jacked. At a certain <laughs> point, they're not going to fit in the wall anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the idea when you're living in a wall is not to add muscle mass. No. That's where you got to hit the cardio. Yeah, you should be saying way thin. Like you can't just, oh yeah, that's... Now I'm just thinking of buff people living in between walls. <laughs> or like sexy hunks and you're like, please come out. <laughs> That's why the wall explodes. Because all their, one of them forgets and flexes and it just explodes. And there's just superheroes all over the floor. Did you work there for a while or? I worked there for about a year. And then it's now a Target, by the way. That's all a Target. Oh. So if you go shopping to get your skincare products or your chips <laughs> or whatever they have, people used to live in there. See, I love I love this because I'm literally like uh, just blocks away from this situation. You should I'm, make a pilgrimage. Go check it oh, out. I'm gonna. Yeah. And I pay too much in rent, so I'm considering live it. Live in the walls. I want to live in the Target walls. That seems like a better place to live. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna sell my home immediately and just live inside the wall of a cheesecake factory. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know what, Amber? Thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, great to talk to you, Amber. That's a very cool story. <laughs> Thank you. I hope no one's living yeah. in your walls. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could use the company. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amber. And if you want to tell a story like Amber on the juice, please send in your stories. Uh, and that's again, teamcoco.com slash heyjuice. And that's it for this episode of The Juice. Oh, cool. And I'm so thankful that I got to do it with you because honestly, I'm going to be a little emotional because my first ever Conan set was literally the launch of my career as a comedian oh. and was was saved my life uh, from being a server. So I'm always going to be eternally grateful <laughs> <laughs> that I don't have to cater to people right now. You're very talented and uh, I'm glad that you're doing this show and I really love the idea. I think it's really, I mean, just hearing that it's about gossip and just hearing her talk about those stories, I, I, I think that can't possibly be true, but clearly it is. So. <laughs> it has to be. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. And the great thing about gossip, it doesn't have to be 100% true. And you know what, guys? Thank you all for listening. Thank you again, Conan, for being here. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Once again, if you love this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great rating and review. All the stars. It really helps a new show like ours reach more ears. And I can't thank you enough. The Juice is produced by Nick Liao, Jen Samples, and Lisa Berm. Executive producers are Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Salataroff. Engineering and music by Eduardo Perez. I'm Solomon Giorgio. See you all back here next week as we dish out more of the low-stakes gossip you love to hear on The Juice. And please, have a juicy day. This has been... A Team Coco production. <laughs> <laughs>